What up, everybody? Ryan Rucco, CC Sabathia here with a brand new R2C2. CC has an interesting revelation about Major League Baseball free agency. We dive into a conundrum C is facing about Thanksgiving, and we chat with Nate Burleson, who is one of the smartest, most interesting men in media and tells an incredible playing football on Thanksgiving story. That's all coming up next on R2C2. What's up, everybody? We're back. R2C2, another week. This week, though, releasing earlier than most weeks, see, because we thought, well, you know, people on Thanksgiving, they may not be, you know, doing their normal commutes, right? They got other things going on. Obviously, yeah. Thanksgiving is a Thursday. Might as well give it to them on a Tuesday. Then they also have it for Wednesday morning if they're traveling yeah, people, places. People may be traveling. People may not be traveling. Or, yeah. you, know, you know, you can listen to it while you're cooking your food on, or getting ready yeah. for Thursday, so... You know, we're just trying to get people, you know, be be conscious of people's holiday, how they spend their holidays. A lot of options for how, uh, you know, how you can pull off R2C2 in conjunction with your holidays, you know. And to everyone, uh, hope you have a safe, uh, healthy, happy holiday. I know it's weird. It's it's obviously different this year, C. I know, uh, you know, I know for me, you know, with my family, we usually have all my cousins, aunts, and uncles. We have, you know, as many as 40 people, and I love it. And instead... It's just going to be, you know, my mom, my sister, and Andrea and me, and, you know, my dad, brother-in-law, nephews. Like, I know you usually do a big blowout. You have a much tighter group this year, too. Yeah. We're all adjusting, man. We're all forced to adjust. Yeah, for sure. We usually do, like, a big thing here. It's always a huge holiday where people fly out from California, you know, all kind of these different traditions. But, uh, you know, this year, it'll just be our immediate family. My mom's here. And then my two godsons flew up from uh, from Gremlin State. They got uh, time off for, for Thanksgiving, so um, they came up here. So it'll it'll be good just to be you know us our, our 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 immediate family around. And however you're celebrating, have a happy and a healthy one. Uh, see, we're going to talk to Nate Burleson today. Who? Yes. I mean, he, Nate is you know outstanding NFL analyst on NFL Today on CBS as well as Good Morning Football and NFL Network, which is a show I know you love and we're a part of. Uh, for uh, a week straight uh, last winter. Um, and uh, Nate is, I mean, to me, Nate is one of the smartest, most interesting dudes in media. He's just, he's great. He's hes absolutely great. And he's a big sports fan. He knows, you know, a lot about uh, every sport, not just football. And, you know, he can incorporate, you know, his hip hop into it. Yeah. You know, he's just great. He's got a, a lot of good metaphors and he's a deep thinker. So, He's always fun to, to bounce stuff off of and have great conversations. My neighbor, um, you know, so I see him all the time and hang out with him all the time, so it's fun. Yeah, so we will get to Nate in just a bit. But see, we always start with Slinging Heat. Yeah. Will you give us three things on the top of your mind? And what is first on the docket today for Slinging Heat? First on the docket uh, this week for Slinging Heat is how much uh, there's not an offseason in baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Baseball needs to do a better job, man, of staying in the news. Like, they don't, you know, maybe condense the, the free agent period or, you know, something, man. But, like, give us some 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 excitement. It, it, you know, it drags on too long. You know, you don't really know what's going on. You hear about all the guys that are free agents right at, at the beginning of the winter, and then nothing happens. You know what I mean? Stuff just trickles. So, um, 
the NBA, the NFL, they do such a great job of like commanding the offseason. Look at the NBA right now. Um, you know, with the with the draft they just had and then all these free agency signings. It's just so much to talk about. And, you know, it's 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 a lot in baseball too that that, you know, people are excited about, fans are excited about, but we just don't get that news. So um yeah, it, it sucks. Uh, yeah, you know what, man? I totally agree. There used to be this compact flurry of activity, I feel like, around baseball off seasons. And it typically coincided with the winter meetings, or at yeah. least that's the way it felt. And yes, we still have the winter meetings, and and those do seem to be a trigger. Do they for have the winter meetings activity. this year? Well, I think, they're, this year? I think they're going to be virtual, is, okay. is my... Is my uh, is my current understanding of which I could be wrong, uh, but I'm sure Sadie could uh, text us to to confirm. But I, I um, it now has become this ridiculously drawn out, circuitous off season in which we don't really, you know, there's there's no real defined time for when when you know something's going to happen, nice. and so. So it's just like it's not even it's not even in your mind like to to be paying attention to it because you're just like okay is DJ LeMayu going to sign on November fifth or December fifteenth or, or January fifteenth February fifteenth yeah, yeah, like. yeah, yeah exactly it's awful it's awful and it is virtual Sadie Zillow confirms for us it's a and, it's and, a virtual winter, you know what uh, GM, though uh, and we always we always felt like a lot was happening during like the winter meetings and all that stuff but like. Not really, you know what mm. I'm saying? Not since like my off season has it been like, yeah, like those signings happen like all in December. You know what I mean? Like since then, it's been like you know January. I guess, and it's, I guess it's just, last year we had it a little bit around Cole, right? Because yeah, there was like a couple yeah, he in signed a row. Early. He signed and early, it was, and who was the other ones? Because Boris had those big deals. Uh, Rendon, like, yeah, Rendon, right? Um, uh, Strasburg, Strasburg, but but. But other than that, I mean, other than last offseason, man, it just drags on too long. They gotta, they gotta figure out a time. They gotta condense it, the free agency period, and have everybody signed by January first. And I'll use this example because I've heard some people say, "Well, no, wouldn't you rather have it extend longer so that you have more interest longer?" And it's like, well, in theory, yes, but the problem is there's not Nothing more happens, interest. Right? Nothing's yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's like this: if you're a show, right, and you're about to be on Netflix. Would you rather have one week where you throw out all your episodes and everybody knows like, oh, like, you know, December 1st to the 7th, we're going to get to watch the new season of Ozark, whatever. They're going to release a new episode every day. Or would you rather say, yeah, you know, we're going to release episodes randomly between November and April with no pattern to it. Like, I mean, it, it would be suicide for the show. <laughs> It'd be an Absolute. awful... Right? Absolutely fucking awful show. Yeah, it would be awful. <laughs> Nobody's into that show. Well, that is what baseball has done with their offseason. Yeah. That's what they've done. Nobody knows when the show's on or when they're getting a new episode, and so they don't pay attention to it. So you got to clean that up if you want to have some focus on your offseason, which could and be and really that's exciting. Why, and that's why baseball fans are like, oh, they never talk about baseball on ESPN or blah, blah, blah. This. Well, there's no fucking news. Yeah. There's nothing to talk about. They don't. They can't even really talk about baseball on MLB Network because shit ain't happening. Nothing's right. happening. You know what I'm saying? They're it's, making up shit on MLB Network too because there's no fucking news. And, and think about this. Think about how much bigger. And I know your second sling and heat is going to deal with this. See, so I, I'll, I'll use it as a segue to it. But think about how much bigger those like Aaron Bain signings are 
in the NBA because it's happening in this compact, condensed period of excitement and energy. The equivalent of Aaron Baines signing in the MLB offseason, it doesn't even make a tremor because we don't even know what happens because there's nothing keeping our attention on it. Yeah. So anyway, second sling and heat, see? Second sling and heat is the NBA offseason. How good a job they do <laughs> in all these free agent signings. And, and like you said, the Aaron Baines and watching – uh, Gordon Hayward get paid again, cuz. Whoa, man, this how guy about that money? Is cashing the fuck in. <laughs> what is going on, cuz? I mean, guy's a great player. I love it. And and I'm all for guys getting paid, but damn, mm-hmm. this guy, this guy keeps breaking the bank, bro. I, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I love I love watching Tatum. I love watching Jason uh Donovan Mitchell get paid 195 million. I mean, guy, you know, Harden's turning down 103 million for two years. I was like, what? I mean, would Dad read that right? Two years, 103 <laughs> million. Like the the money, the numbers are awesome. Uh, watching these guys get paid and and having a young son that's trying to be an athlete, I love it. Like, let's keep get, let's keep, <laughs> keep running those keep numbers it up. up. Let's keep, keep running those up. numbers <laughs> up. <laughs> is is there any team you would not play for for two years and 103 million? Boston. Wow, I like hearing that. Yankee That's fans it. are going to be galvanized. That's the only team you wouldn't you wouldn't play for for that contract. Uh, let me think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's uh, it. I'll probably yeah, I'll play everywhere else. <laughs> I like it, man. Yeah, maybe Tampa, but I, don't, I mean, obviously, they ain't got the money for that anyway, so we ain't going to think about that. <laughs> they're going to so- sell every other player. There's, they're going to be taking I, the seats out I of the stadium. I'd be down there <laughs> pitching by myself. I had to oh. start every game. You be it's like when you're playing when you're a kid and and you like you throw the pitch and then it's hit and you chase after it like <laughs> one on one baseball. Yeah, that that would be you. All right, see what you got for us for your third sling and heat. Third sling and heat is just conversation about Thanksgiving, man. You excited about Thanksgiving, excited about the food? I am. I am. And and I'm thinking of you because I'm wondering how much different is Thanksgiving for you this year as this trim muscle-bound middle linebacker. You know what? I'm super nervous about this. I don't think I'm going to be able to eat that much, man. Like, my wife, like now Amber gets on me because we go places and, and I get a cheat day and I order all this food and I eat, like, three bites of it, bro. Like, <laughs> the other day we were in L.A. and I had Randy. We went to Randy's Donuts and I ordered, like, a half a dozen of maple I ate a I ate a half a donut, guys. Like wow, look at it's you, so man! Bad. Look no, at it's you. not good, guys. I mean, it's well, not it good. is. I can't. Ultimately, I mean, it's I good. Yeah, it yeah. is, but it's like for me, like being a foodie and a fat guy, yeah. like she's like you. You cannot like she. She's like you. I won't let it go that I'm not fat anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like she's like you're not fat. Like you can't eat all of that shit anymore. Like you, it just you can't, can't do order it. it. So, no, I, no, I can't even you. order. I can't even eat it. So I'm I'm nervous about what's gonna happen on Thursday. Know what you got to do? You, you you order it, but you just you just take like a little bite, get the taste of it. You know what I mean? But you don't finish it because you can't finish it anymore. But you just get the taste. Man, it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. But so what? It, this is, what? It, this is, so this is gonna be a test for your new body, kind of. This is my this is a test for my new body. But me in action, we are doing our torture chamber super early on Thursday morning. So wow. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go crazy hard in the gym on Thursday and just see how much I can eat. Or, I actually, know, I love that move. I love that move. I remember one, I, I've done a, a couple different ways for Thanksgiving. I can remember one Thanksgiving with my cousin Kelly, who's very fit, active. She was in from London and we went on like a five mile run or something like that that morning, which uh-huh. for me was like long. I wasn't used to doing like five mile runs or whatever. And 
I it like it gave me oh it made the day great with food. I felt right? like yeah, you feel good. Like after, I can eat everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. And then one one Thanksgiving night with my best my best friend Al, we used to always work out together. And this was when we were like super intense. And we both did a seven and a half mile run after at Thanksgiving oh, night shit. after eating. No thanks. That, that was a mistake, man. That yeah. was a mistake. You want to get it, get it before. Do before, the fast right? And the workout. Yeah. yeah. And then a- after don't do I it eat after. all that food, I'm I'm in a coma, cause it's football and fucking I'm sleep, bro. But like, I, I, I've noticed that with me now too, with working out, like it is so much harder for me to work out after I eat something now. Yeah. Like I ha- I have to work out like on a fast in the morning. Like that's no, like, I, I have to work out in the morning, bro. Like I, I mean, yeah. I can go work out, like because I take Carter to basketball and his basketball is at our gym, um, and I go sometimes in the evening. But I can only do cardio. Like I, I'm not as strong in the afternoon as I am in the morning. Yeah, and and I figured out I, it's got to be late morning. So now I've been I've been moving my changing my workouts to like ten thirty eleven. Yeah, and I can get up more weight at that time than I can like super early in the morning. But on on Sunday mornings, me and Action do this thing called torture chamber. Samir comes, he comes out, um, a couple of his buddy comes out, and and uh, and we do like crazy workout at, at yeah. six in the morning um, for an hour, and like we be dead. So we go do that six a.m. You do it on yeah, Sundays. We do, we do it at six a.m. Oh. on Sundays. So. We're gonna we gonna we gonna do that on Thursday, get that in and and then uh I'll feel pretty good about, you know, however much I can eat on Thursday. I um I gotta uh we'll get to Nate Burles in a second. I have to I have to shout out one dish and I have to ask you about one dish for Thanksgiving. So, you know, as we mentioned before, we're both doing it, you know, more limited, trying to be obviously COVID safe. Um, you know, and and it'll be different this year, but still beautiful with our with our uh immediate family. Um I got to say, like, I, I'm a huge stuffing guy. I love stuffing. It's just, I'm all about it. And my mom does a pineapple stuffing that is out of this world, We've had this combo. Man. We've had this yes, combo. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You remember. I got to bring you some, man. It is so good. I always- For sure. Gr- growing up, I always, like, they would joke about it. Like, you know, the pineapple stuffing. Oh, yeah. Deb's pineapple stuffing. And I never really dabbled with it. I don't think she knew that. Um, but as I got older, I was like, well, because I, I love regular stuffing and I still do. But I was like, I got to try this. And now I'm addicted, man. It is so, <laughs> it's so good. And I know for you, it's it's your Auntie Glows. Is it her? It's dressing. It, it's the same thing. You guys wait, call it oh, stuffing. We call it dressing. All right. You call. All right. That's so interesting because like when I think dressing, I think salad, you know, yeah. like salad dressing. But you yeah. call stuffing dressing. Yeah. And okay, that, so and it's, it's her, her stuffing. It's her stuffing, and she's not going to be here uh, this year. But Amber, so so when, when when me and Amber first got married, not even when we first got married, when we first got together. My aunt was like, "If you're going to be around, you're going to keep this guy. If you know, if you're going to be Cece's wife, you're going to learn how to cook." So she taught her how to make mac and cheese. She taught her how to fry chicken and all that stuff. So Glow's going to Facetime Amber and walk her through the steps to make this dressing. So. She's kind of passing the torch down, so it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out, and I'm excited. So, um, yeah, it'll be Amber's dressing this year. I, uh, dude, I'm excited. I feel like you need to live stream that, right? Like, right. The, the, that's the, like the, that's like uh, a, this, uh, is, this is a big deal. Like yes, this is a big is. deal in my family because this <laughs> recipe came from my grandmother, who you know obviously was you know the, the matriarch of, of our family. family. Yeah, yeah, I mean she, you know, everything ran through her, so. Um, you know, and my aunt writes down everything. She's got this book 
this binder. She's she's she writes down every recipe, um, and she's got she's giving Saya her cooking recipe. I mean, her uh, cake recipes. So wow. you know, it, it'll be. And she's been passing it down, you know, slowly. So um, yeah, it'll be exciting for Amber to, to make the dressing this year and Saya to make the cakes. So it's good. I mean, we're making the best out of out, uh, during COVID because Glow's usually here. She's you know, she usually have the, the house smelling so great by now, you know, <laughs> heading into Thursday. She's cooking days um, in advance, right? She, uh, if, yeah. if you go to her house right now, I promise you, it smells so good in there right now. She's, she's oh, getting ready. It. So, um, but, you know, we miss her and, and it's tough not having her here. But, you know, we're just trying to be safe as possible with COVID. Well, shout out to Auntie Glow and good luck to Amber. A lot of pressure on Amber. A lot of pressure. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Big deal, man. Big deal. Um. See, we get to chat with Nate Burleson today. Uh, he He's the best. We talk about a variety of things. Um, really interesting insights into sports media and, and how you deal with, you know, athletes maybe being critical of something you say on air. Nate tells an amazing Randy Moss story. He's... Um, He's, he's got, got some good NBA Randy thoughts. Mosses, man. Oh, but he, he does, man. But he's just he so good that you, you can't yeah. even get in. You don't want to get into one thing. You know what I'm know. saying? You try to try to get all over the map with him. But we, he can just sit there and tell Randy Moss stories all day, bro. I'm he, he could. You. He could. He's good. He, he, he's all over the map in the best way possible. Yeah. Here is Nate Burleson on R2C2. Thanks for being on with us again, man. Yeah, for sure. Of course, of course. Glad to uh, chop it up with y'all. I had a good time last time we talked, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You know what? That was like that. That was a great. That was just like a fun time with you and Peter and and CME. That was. I mean, Cece was your co-host there for a week. Do you, <laughs> do, do you miss him in the studio, Nate? I do, man. It's it's odd not to have him right now, especially <laughs> given the fact that the Raiders are playing so good this season. Um, you know, but you know, one thing I do appreciate about guys that come in, they come in and they immediately know like these mornings they ain't easy. So yeah. somebody hits me with the Yo, I don't think I can make it back in. I'm like, bro, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the first thing. Remember, Ryan? I told you I was like immediately. That's the first thing. It was good. Like, when you could do it for one day, like, oh, you know, I got to do Good Morning Football one day. Like, you can get yourself up for it. But, like, the second and third day in, like, by Friday, I was exhausted. My schedule was all messed up. I'm like, yo, yeah. this is, like, a real grind. Like, you, ha you have a real appreciation for the people that you get up and, like, get up with you in the morning and get you off on your day. You know what I'm saying? Like, these guys are really grinding throughout the week. That's, that's a tough that's thing a to fact, do. Bro. When I was on the West Coast, um, and this is when they had NFL AM in L.A., so they would start the show. The show would start at 4 a.m. because they wanted to be on a 7 for the East Coast viewer. And um, they would have the production meeting at around 1 a.m. So oh. this was like Nate oh. Billison fresh off the field. I'm still I'm still kicking it. Like, so I go to L.A. Like, I usually do hit up my homies. What's up? What are we doing? First night. I go out, I get home around 10, I get a few hours of sleep. Second night, go out, I get home around 11. Third night, and I did NFL AM for an entire week. Third night, I was like, I was out, I was having a good time. We up in the club, I'm like, man, I'm gonna just go ahead and stay out, man. I pulled like a lightweight all-nighter. I remember midway through the show, it was about like 5.30 a.m. And I went to reach and, sh and reach for my coffee and my hand was shaking. 
<laughs> one of the producers is like, Nate, I know you, bro. Like, you can't kick it. You can't go out and then come here for a one o'clock production meeting. Like, this is a for real deal show. You got to tighten up. And ever since then, it was kind of like UCC. I was like, well, this will be my last time coming on this show. <laughs> I need, I need to be in the streets. Is is uh, it easier for Good Morning Football? I mean, during the season when it's like action and like you got game because like I know I love to watch y'all show on Monday and Tuesday mornings because there's highlights and like I like right. to watch y'all do the highlights and I mean obviously y'all show has has a lot of energy every morning but is it easier to do it when there's actual football being played? Or is it easier when, you know, you're just trying to make up stories like in the offseason or, or follow storylines? Yeah, yeah. It's much easier when um, when there's games being played. Um, but there's also this expectation and standard. So, you know, when there's football being played, people want to tune in for the highlights, of course. But they also want to hear you say something like, you know, point out something that I didn't notice. Um, talk about a receiver that I'm not hip to. Um, I want you to uh, point out the deficiencies in my team's defense so I can – I can prepare for what they need to improve on throughout the rest of the year. So there's there's these like there's these bars that we keep raising um, when it comes to in season viewers because you know one thing I've always learned and you guys know this viewers are smart and they're smarter than people think. So you don't want to show up week in and week out during the season and dumb down stuff because mm-hmm. they can go Google that information, go to another show, they can you know turn you off and and just listen to radio. But in the off season, it's almost like we get a pass. We don't have to be as like, you know, intelligent with our takes because it's <laughs> casual information. You go from, you know, in season where I want to give people real X's and O's, something they can go to the barbershop with, hit the water cooler with, go talk with their homeboys with, just a little nugget like, yo, look at this. Nate was talking about, you know, the wide receivers for the Chiefs and why they're so dynamic because they got different size guys. And I never heard about that. You know, I usually hear people talk about speed, but having different size guys really does give you a complete wide receiver court. And say something like that, and then somebody go regurgitate information. That's real information. But in the offseason, and there's no football, and we're sitting there watching clips of guys running around in their shorts, it's like, yo, let's just let's talk about who had the, the best dunk in the 1985 dunk contest. <laughs> <laughs> let's compare that to, like, a football game. Like, that right there is that, – that's the best way we can do it. The offseason is tough because you, I feel like – you ever watch like an NBA halftime show and it'd be like that Asian lady with the plates on a unicycle? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's she balancing all that? That's why I feel like an off season. I'm like, yo, we just spinning plates right now because there is nothing. <laughs> Their show is a perfect balance because you got the X's and O's from Nate. Then you get like the behind the scenes and like some of the stuff from the coaches from uh, Schrager. Yep. And then Kyle's like a fan, like kind of like us where – He's yeah. intelligent, like he knows a lot of football, but then yeah. he'll sit back and let them, like, you know, let the experts kind of do, the, like, the you know, their thing. Yeah. So it's like a fun dynamic of the show, and you feel like you're you're on the show when you're watching the show. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It. Like, you feel like you're into it. Like, I'm always watching the show, and I'm answering questions, <laughs> or I'm like, I'll text Nate and Peter sometimes. Like, it's, it's just... It's a fun show to watch and like it's interactive for me, you know. What I'm Are you saying, C, that we need to put a camera on you at home as you're While watching, I'm watching the, the show? show? Oh yeah, definitely. You're just, that you're could just be a talking part of the to show. the living room. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It is though, man. It's a, it's a great dynamic. And what I love that you just brought up, Nate, which for me as a viewer is something that's so important to me, or as a consumer of sports media, and something I always think about when I'm either hosting or I'm a guest on a on a show or I'm calling games or telling a story is specificity, right? Yeah. Like, that's what you're talking about. It, you know, yes, there's there's a certain level 
um, of attraction that the audience gets from just personality and energy. But you need to be specific. Otherwise, anybody can do what you're doing, right? And what you're talking about, Nate, is you're talking about giving them something that's specific so that they then can sound smart, right? Because they've right. heard something from you that they can't hear someplace else. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's funny because one of my mentors, um, when I was in LA, he was like, look, Nate, enough with the cliches. Like, you're not in the locker room answering questions after a game. Um, mm. On top of that, like, I know that you love to tell stories. And if that is one of your strengths, you have to get to the point faster. So answer the question so they know what you're talking about. Tell a short story and then end it with an impactful punch. He was like, you have to be concise. Uh, if you don't, then you're just going to be another guy rambling. So I always, always remembered that. And then one day I came off of the set and I was feeling really good about myself. I felt like I had a good show. I didn't have the ums in there that I used to do a lot. Um, and, and, and I'm doing it right now. And then I got to um, the office of my mentor and I'm sitting there looking at myself, just kind of like, and I hate watching myself on TV, but this day I was really feeling myself. <laughs> and he said, you think you did good today? I was like, yeah, I did pretty good. He's like, well, what did you say? And I was like, well, I was talking a little bit about this and a little bit about that. He was like, you were talking a little bit about everything, which means you weren't talking about anything. He said, say something. And I was like, huh? He said, just say it. I was like, right now? He's like, no, no. When you're on TV, remember, you always have to say something. And it's mm. small, but I do remember that. Anytime mm. I answer a question, whether I'm rambling, being slick, adding in hip-hop lines, referencing <laughs> a movie, I'm still going to say something. There's a point mm. I'm making. And I think that's why um, people were able to identify with me as a, not just an analyst, but also a guy that can host the show. That's so true, man. That's, I mean... I don't know who who was your mentor because that's uh, such wonderful team. Or do you like to keep that private? No, 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 no. Yeah, um, yeah. Mark Watts was a guy that he used to work uh, for the NFL Network. Um, he's been in the industry for a long time. You look his name up. He was the. He, he's, it's not really his claim to fame, but he always brings it up. He was like the the most seen reporter during the the OJ trial and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, big ass Blake. Uh, you know what I'm saying? With the little top. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, well, Jay Simpson, I'm not, you know, and, and uh, he, he, he transitioned into doing a little bit of everything, talent scouting, helping with the young guys and young women that signed, for the, signed on to the NFL Network. Uh, but he's, he's one of my mentors. You know, he's told me, he's like, look, bro, it's, it's harder than you think, but it's easier than you think. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He was like, it's harder than you think because if you actually – want to put the work in, you're going to have to study. You're going to have to read more than you ever read. Uh, luckily, if you love it, it doesn't seem like work. As far as the easier part, it's like it's not that hard to be articulate. So it, you, it's up to you to be articulate. And, and it's up to you to improve. As football players, baseball players, any sport, your rookie year, you're kind of figuring it out. And then a few years in, you got a little bit more of a rhythm. By 10, 12 years in, like, you know exactly who you are and you have found your, 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 your swing, you have found your pitch, you have found the, your favorite route. Uh, and that's how I became uh, more than just like the guy who could tell you about a post corner. When I first came in, I'm not going to lie, I thought I was, I thought I was a combination. Of, I was like a chameleon. I was like Mystique from X-Men. Like I, <laughs> I would be a whole bunch of people. Like I come in one day and I, I'm doing my best Michael Irvin. I'm like, listen, you got to do what you got to do because <laughs> I keep doing it. 
And then, <laughs> and then one day I, I come back, I'm like, nah, that ain't me. And then I'm smooth with it. Like Dion, I'm like, hey, listen, man, if you know, if you play good, then the money's going to come. And I was like, nah, that <laughs> either. And then I come back and I'm Marshall Falk. And I'm like, listen, I got to pontificate my point because <laughs> the radio show, I catch and I was like, nah, that's, that's Marshall Falk, man. Who am I? Man? And it took me a while to kind of find out who I was. And now I'm just, I'm me. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Nate Burleson, who's a goofy dude. Um, I, I love um, to educate and entertain. Um, there's a lot of things that influenced me over my life, being an 80s baby raised in the 90s, influenced by the 2000s. I love hip hop and R&B. I love uh, TV and movies. So instead of like quieting all of those things or shelving those things, I just incorporate them. Oh, and, I, and I realize majority of the people that are watching, they can identify with the little things that make you you. So that's kind of where I am now. And you, you know what you do a great job of, too, is, is keeping everything positive. You know what I mean? Like, you are a positive, upbeat guy, and you can get on somebody and it, it make it sound positive in a way where, like, I'm, I'm only going to use Shannon Sharp because it's Shannon Sharp, where if Shannon Sharp got on somebody, I'd be like, oh, he's hating, or some people love that type right. of shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, like, I think a lot of people I can identify with you and you have fans across the board is because when whenever you're you know, judging somebody or saying something about somebody's play, it comes off in a positive way. You know what I'm saying? You could always 100%. spin it back to like, you you know, that guy's a good player or, you know, he can turn it around or something like that, whereas other guys will leave it to where, you know, the guy's just a bad player. Terrible. Sure. You like, know what and, I'm saying? Like, and I, and I want to, I, I want to like be able to criticize guys and then not feel like I'm tearing them down. Like I've never been in that position. Um, mm -hmm. But you're right. Shannon's my dog. But, you know, Shannon come out there. Hey, come on, Skip. 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 Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, skip. Yeah. But like, and, but and then like for Shannon, like shit is easy, bro. You a Hall of Famer. That's of course bad. you can do all of that shit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, everybody wasn't born like you, cause now everybody don't have all these fucking abs and jack right. and like, they can't like a tight end fucking running. You know what I'm saying? Like as yeah. fast as he was, everybody wasn't as great as you. So you gotta like, you gotta be able to take that in account, bro. The game's hard yeah. to play, man. Sports is no, hard, bro. I was um, it was like my second or third year out of the game. And I remember the, the Lions were playing the Packers at home. And this was that year James Jones was on the roster for the Packers. And I was very critical of the wide receivers. I was like, look, what defenses are doing, they're just crowding the wide receivers. They don't have that true uh, speed at the wideout position. So they're taking that risk. Let's just press coverage, close those windows up, and make it real muddy when Aaron Rodgers is dropping back and trying to find those gaps within the zones. Um, and I was like, so it's on the receivers. I looked at the camera like, it's on the receivers. You know, I was always told if a team gives you one-on-one, -on -one, you got to win. And so I was I, and I was talking to the wide receivers. I wasn't saying they bums, but I was saying they, they weren't doing a good job of getting off the line of scrimmage in the early part of the season. So I'm, I'm, I'm working the game. I get sent down there, checking into my hotel, and somebody's like, hey, yo, Nate. And I'm like, Whoop. I'm in Detroit, so I'm like, oh, somebody, somebody, I know. I turn around, and it's James Jones. And, like, it was that moment, it's that moment where I'm like, damn, is he mad at what I said? Pause <laughs> for a second. He was like, so really, bro? Like, we can't get off the line of scrimmage? It's on the wide receivers? So the losses this year on the White House? And I'm like, damn, bro, this dude really mad at me. And, then, and I paused right before I was about to talk. He's like, now nah, I'm just playing, man. You good? You good? Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, and I was like, I was like, did you take that? Did you take that the wrong way? He was like, nah, you would be honest. He was like, you were being honest. He said, I'll say this. They don't do a good job of 
calling certain plays to help us get off the line of scrimmage, bunch formations, motions, and all that. But he was like, you were spot on. And I was like, cool, because I just want to make sure I'm not coming at you foul. The same thing happened when I saw Geno Smith in person. I was mm-hmm. in New York kicking it. We was at a club with some mutual friends. And, and we were just sitting there sipping and drinking. And I, I met him on a few occasions. But it was like, I don't know if it was the drinks. I don't know if Drake was playing. But I was, I was getting real sensitive. And I'm like, I want to ask him to see. Like, I, I, I was one of those guys that did him dirty when he had that incident in the locker room. So I'm sitting there like, you know, man, let me go to college. I'm like, hey, bro, listen. I just, we hanging out and it's kind of bugging me. Like, I know you had that incident in the locker room and a lot of people cracked some jokes and I might even threw a couple like heavyweight jokes in there. You know what I'm saying? But like, but like, did, did I come across insensitive or fat? And he said, nah. He said, no, one thing I love about you, Nate, is like, when I messed up on the field, say I had a bad game, threw threw some interceptions and we lost. You were on me. You were on my neck and, and rightfully so. He said, but more importantly, when I did good, your voice was louder than everybody else's. And I was like, all right, cool. As long as I get that from the players, because I care less, man. Like, the fans are going to digest the information. Yeah. yeah. The players, that's, that's the fraternity, that's the brotherhood. I would never want to walk outside, somebody see me in the mall or be on vacation somewhere, and somebody looked at me and be like, I don't like that dude because the way he talks about people. And I feel like some people will, I'm not going to sell your soul, but... They will risk relationships for a hot take. And well, I could. Not some people, everybody will. You know what I'm saying? Especially on some of those networks. And that's why I didn't like, I didn't want to be on some of those. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Because yeah. I was like, nah, I'm not going to say that. And risk, like you said, I'm on vacation or hanging out. And like, you know, I want to be, be able to go to all-star games and do all that shit and walk in the locker rooms and not feel like an asshole. You know what I'm saying? And, and like you said, I, I wonder if this guy likes me because of, of, of what I said. Ruko, I'm wondering like, you were on the radio for a long time. You ever had that situation where somebody approached you about something that was said on one of your shows or something? You know what, man? It's funny you say that because that's part of the reason why I wanted to get out of daily talk shows because I found it super, doing a uh, you know however many hour radio show every single day. I did, Nate, you know, you're very much an exception to the rule. And your show, I think, is a... Is a high level of intelligence and, and at a different bar than what you get from daily local radio, right? And it's like people in daily local radio, the whole thing is like making mountains out of molehills, right? right. And and that's part of when C and I were starting a podcast, we both were like, we don't want to do that, you know? Right. And I, I, I have these conversations a lot. I can remember even having this conversation with Zach Britton, who's one of our favorite dudes and and, and just incredibly smart guy and saying like, you know, the thing is like you can't, you can't be all fluff because then you have no credibility, right? right? But you also can't be in it for the effect, as you said, for the hot take, taking gratuitous shots just because it's an opportunity for you to spout off words in some slick way or show a level of energy or emotion that you think is going to get people riled up but then ruins the relationships or doesn't give you access. And it's not even what you really believed. You were just right. trying to sound cool, you know, and... And so I always tried to not have that approach, see, but I did notice that like the the platform itself would kind of drag you there. And it made me think like it creates it. Right. And it made me think like, you know, I don't ever want to say like, oh, this team's trash or this guy's trash. You know what I mean? Like, that's not mm -hmm. to me. That's like that's not professional. But you hear people say that all the time. However, if you do something like you did, Nate, right, where you're saying, look, 
They need to beat these guys off the line of screen. Like, if they're going to press them, they need to right. find a way to get open. That's specific. That's football. That's not a personal attack. So the only thing I could think of, see, the only incidents I've had with that is I, I twice had, um, I had people from the Nets uh, who were upset with me because I was broadcasting their games, and then they come on my show. And one time it was uh, Lionel Hollins, who was just i have no problem saying he was not easy to deal with and <laughs> and there are very few people i say that about um but i don't i think it was a rather large consensus that he was not easy to deal with uh and he i had asked him they had had an assistant coach um jim san who had a heart attack during practice and i and we and they continued with the practice after he had a heart attack at the practice and had to be rushed out in an ambulance. He was saved by their trainer, Tim, at the time. And I and I just, Lionel happened to be on the show like the next day or that day. And I was like, I mean, coach, how you know, how did you continue to practice after that? Do you do you regret that? Do you think that showed a lack of empathy? You know, something like that. And afterwards, like he and the Nets were like, you know, did you have to ask it that way? Whatever, you know. And then I had one other time where I kind of asked PJ Carlesimo the same thing about not playing Mirza Toledovic. And PJ and I are friends, and we do a ton of games together, but he was pissed, like, you know, <laughs> oh, you know how much you should play? You know, that kind of thing. You know, And came to me afterwards about it. But those are only my my only real times where that happened because I, I tried to be super conscious of that for those reasons because I didn't want to say anything that I didn't actually believe. Yeah, and that's, what, that's why, like, Rick Oda, when I was saying before about, like, you know, are some of the coverage that comes with this podcast. Yeah. And I feel like they try to turn me into that. But if you actually read what I'm saying, I'm not saying none of that shit that y'all put in the headlines. You know what I'm saying? That's right. So that's why like I get that's why I was get that's why I get so pissed off when I read some of the stuff of how they cover the pod. Cause they yes. try to turn me into that like shock jock. And that's not what you know what I'm saying? That's not the way I say shit. Whatever I say, I really believe and I'm and I'm saying that shit from the heart and I feel it. You know, but most of the time it's it's not some shocking shit that you could put on the on the cover of the post <laughs> that they tried to. That's, you know what I'm saying? Sales, like, though, man. Yeah. That, that's exactly what sells. And, and and you you guys are right though. When you're when you're on daily radio or daily TV, it's hard not to fall into those conversations because you know you can't answer one question without seemingly dogging another. And, and that's what mm -hmm. people want. They want comparisons. They want they want to parallel one thing to the other. And as soon as you go out there and say, well. Russell Wilson is MVP candidate. And they say, oh, so what are you saying about Pat Mahomes? And then in order to defend your take, you almost have to try out. Russell Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why one for another guy. And then yeah. that's what they find. They're like, oh, so you hear what they said about Pat Mahomes? He's saying he's better than him. And you're like, all right, that's not it. But it reminds me of a story, bro. Um, I was, we, we played the Green Bay Packers. And this is my second year. We lost to them twice by three points. We get the wild card game there. And this is young Nate Burleson. We go out and boom, we hit Packers <laughs> in the mouth. And I remember just thinking like, damn, bro, this is it. This is the nostalgic. Like, this is what I hear when I'm watching NFL films. It's, it's the snow coming down. I got Brett Favre on the other sideline, Randy Moss with the Afro. Like, everything was beautiful. Um, and, and I remember just going back and forth, back and forth with the Packers. We took a lead, kind of kept the lead. Uh, so we leave, we, we end up beating them, which was crazy. So we're celebrating, we're in there turning up, everything's lit, music is playing. And I get back to my locker room and I'm just having one of those moments like, man, I can't believe I'm here. And Randy's next to me 
and he's just casual. This is the game where he did the fake moon and stuff. So, yeah. uh, so he's taking off his clothes real casual. He's like, man, this is crazy on there. I'm like, yeah, man, can't wait for the next playoff game. This is unreal. And the reporters come over. It converged to Randy's locker. Randy, Randy, Randy. And this one guy jumps in. Randy, Randy, hey, hey, Randy. How does it feel to get the big win? Um, you know, what does it say about your team's resilience? And Randy's sitting there and he's just looking up. And he's like, I, I know who you, I know who you are. And he's like, yeah, I'm from Minnesota. He's like, yeah, you, you're a writer, right? You do a couple of shows in there. He's like, yeah. And the guy's like feeling himself like, yeah, Randy knows me. And like, he's like, you, you wrote a lot about the season, right? During the regular season. He's like, yeah, that was me. And he was like, excuse my language. But he's like, I read that shit that you was writing. He said, <laughs> he said don't ever fucking interview. Like, don't come over here smiling in our face after you done dogged us all year. But you don't think we read that stuff? You don't think we hear about that stuff? He's like, now you want to sit here all smiles after we get a big win. He's like, man, go somewhere else and go interview somebody else. And it was funny because he was sitting there. The guy was sitting there. And you could see just smaller and smaller and smaller. And then all of the reporters kind of like, oh, snap. And what's crazy about that, like, I don't even, still to this day, I don't think, I don't believe that Randy was out of pocket for that. As a young player, what it taught me is these guys can write whatever they want about you, but that's their job. But just know who's writing it because mm-hmm. those same people will come over and befriend you and act like they were cool with you or had your back the whole time. And, you know, Randy has some issues early on in his career. People were dogging him, saying he's a malcontent, he messes up, and he has things going on on and off the field. They were really trying to paint this picture that Randy's just a bad dude. And he was one of those guys that even when Randy was doing good things, he wouldn't write about it. But as soon as something happened on the field, as soon as he got mad about not getting the ball, wanting to help the team, he would, he would say that. When Randy And Randy was the type of dude that would do stuff in the community and never let anybody know. Like, and they, the team would like, they would ask him like, hey, we want to send, we, we heard, the team would say this, we heard that you're doing something. And he'd be like, yeah, okay, we want to send cameras out. Randy's like, no. Nah. And like the, the media would hear about that stuff and never write about it because what sold were the headlines of Randy being a bad teammate, Randy doing this, Randy doing that. So in that moment, that dude kind of like tucked his tw- tail between his legs and he walked off. And I just remember like thinking to myself, okay, I will never knock a reporter um, for doing what they do, for being a journalist. I will never knock that. I don't care if you're Mr. Hot Take, Cold Take. I don't care if you're the mean guy. Right? I don't care. But always know who's writing them. It's just like if we're all in high school and there's a rumor floating around, we want to know who started the rumor. So like mm-hmm. that, that's how I, I was introduced to what can be a very cantankerous relationship between player and reporter. Now, throughout my career, most of the reporters have always been good because I've always been very honest and transparent. So they like that about me. I've had a few along the way that dog me, but... I never got offended because I knew who they were. So, so when we're, they're, they're walking in the locker room and I have a 150-yard game, two touchdowns, and I'm the man and the hero of the moment, I know that that dude can't walk over here and BS me because mm-hmm. I, I, I know you're the one that likes to tear me down. See, we talk about that, see, right? Like kind of the visibility and if, you, if, the, if the person's showing up all the time, right, and they build yeah. the relationship, then you're going to give them a little more latitude than the person who's just parachuting in to dog you and then you don't hear from him again. Right. Yeah, but but the person that shows up and that's there every day is not going to be the person that dogs you most of the time anyway because that's they exactly. know how hard you work and they yes. see what goes on day to day. It's always that guy that's parachuting around or the guy that's around but doesn't come downstairs. 
is the as guy that's gonna that's gonna dog the shit out of you. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna be the guy that's there every day, the George King that's there yeah. every day that sees me dripping sweat, working right. out hard, like trying to get my shit right. It's gonna be the guy that pops in once or twice a homestand that you know that wants to write his column, that wants to write his column for sure. Yeah, no, n- no question about it. And, and th- there's also, I mean, when the more it's just human nature, right? The more you get to know somebody, the more you're around them, not only seeing their hard work. But then you see them as a human being too, right? Like, and you're just, you're not going to be as motivated to do that or feel detached enough to do that, right? If you're still going to have relationships. I also feel like, I I always use this rule. Mike Breen taught me this when I was in college and I've always used it for play-by-play. Don't say, yeah, oh my, he's, he's, bang, he's, (laughs) he's amazing. He is amazing. He so, but he he taught me he's like only say on air what you would say to the athlete's face. Mm. Period. You know, just use that as your as your guideline. So I would say to to see his face, like, man, that was a poor outing. But I wouldn't say, oh, You're you wrong. were terrible. What was <laughs> going? You know what I mean? Like, there's like, and and use that as your guide, right? Like right. you and would you say like, man, that was a that was a silly mistake, or you know, if somebody forgets, let's say Nate. You know, you guys are out of timeouts and and you you slide inbounds instead of getting out right. of bounds. What I say to you, like, man, that was kind of a boneheaded play. Yeah, I would. But right. what I say, Nate Burleson, always absence of intelligence. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> proving that he doesn't belong on the field. No, I right. wouldn't say that to your face. So I'm not going to say it on the air, you know? Right. like No doubt about it, it. And you brought up Mike Breen. I'm glad you did. And I hate to go off script. And I don't know no, if you... Please do. There ain't no script do. on this show. There's no, no script, man. No <laughs> hey, script. Since, since we're talking NBA, I would love to get y'all opinions on the, the recent events. You know, we love when superstars want to be traded. And, you know, James Harden being that dude that says he wants to come to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so there's so many layers to this. One, I, I, I would like to ask, what is James Harden's legacy thus far? And then two, the second layer um, there's going to be three layers. Second layer, turning down 50 a pop, right? Am I, yeah. It, it, yeah. Is that, am I correct on that? Did I hear? Yeah, you are. Two year, two, 103 two, million. 103 million. Okay, okay. And, and, then, and then last, do you think he'll fit in with Kyrie, who is a facilitator, ball handler, can get buckets, Kevin Durant, who was a pure shooter, and James Harden, who is a guy that needs touches, you know, in order to really be the man that he is, which he is the man. So I, I, I'm really curious because we all love, you know, we're, we're all the same because we love all sports. And mm-hmm. this news really just like, and my brother coached with the Rockets. He's now with the Timberwolves. He coached with the Rockets for five years. So he would tell me about all of the little things. So I'm asking him questions. I'm a huge NBA fan. So I'm like, yeah. so what's it like with James Harden? He's like, oh, the beard? Oh, the beard can do what he wants. The beer can yeah. call up the people at the facility and say, my homeboys is in town. We want to run five on five. Like, <laughs> I'm like, word? He's like, yeah, they're open. Like, the beard, he's like, the beard is also a guy that'll take care of people. He'll, he'll give gifts and he'll make sure everybody around him solid. He, the beard is always honest. Like the beard is a guy that'll tell you what's on his mind and what's he, what he wants. And then he also said, I said, so what's up with Dwight Howard and the beard? He's like, they don't like each other, fam. Nah, they don't yeah. like, they ain't like each other. He's like, there's times they will walk past each other and, and and not even like say what's up. And I'm like, yeah. So like I used to eat this up because yeah. I, I love what's behind the candelabra. So of course. Uh, so yeah. So what 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 is what are your thoughts on that whole entire situation? Man, ahead, well, you, well, you know what's interesting. So C and I are actually 
we're we're appearing on Nets Hot Stove on Yes oh, Network yeah. tonight, talking yeah. about Harden okay. because so here's the thing, and this is the way I I look at it from a from a Nets perspective as a Nets broadcaster. CC's a Nets fan now, and I just knowing <laughs> knowing the mindset of Nets fans, it's this weird juxtaposition, right? Because on one hand, if James Harden wants to go to your team, you gotta you gotta seriously explore that. It's I make a it top, top five player, right? At the same time, there's something that feels wrong about all of a sudden dispensing of certain key guys who were part of the horrible days, helped rebuild the franchise to make it attractive enough to a KD or a Kyrie to consider. And glue guys. Glue yeah. guys. Glue guys yeah. who are great dudes, amazing teammates, perfect for the culture. Are also, yeah, and they're also good. You know, they're yeah. also, and they also but- fit. They fit. So it's a weird, it's a weird balance of what just, do you do. I just seen Joe Harris just sign. You know what I yeah, mean? Harris, so he, Harris so, is gonna stay. So He's Joe Harris stay. got paid. So yeah. that's so for me, like just watching and and you know, we've been around the last I've been around there the last couple of years. Ryan's is obviously around there all the time. The only two people I feel like that that deserve to be there for this next phase is Joe Harris and Karis LeVert. Mm. Um, just because I feel like they've changed the culture the most. Um, the other guys, I mean, obviously, you know, Dinwiddie's, you know, a huge part of it. Um, Jared Allen, I mean, you know, he yeah. he's huge too. But I just think those two guys are the guys that that can help you, obviously, win a championship and take this thing to the next level. And those are the guys that you know are, are the glue. Um, yeah, and, and that you know can can really help and and that you really sure. need. So um, I mean, as far as as far as Harden wanting to come. I think he'll make it work. I think he has to make it work because we're talking about, like you said, the first question was his legacy, and I think it ties into the third question for his le- for his legacy. Like for him, he's seeing that it's not working on a, on his own down in Houston. He right. thought, you know, having bringing his boy in, bringing Westbrook in, you know, uh, we can make this work. We're boys, and you know, we can make a run. That shit didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So he knows that he has to have a, another Hall of Fame talent to to win a championship. So. I think, you know, he'll make it work because he his legacy, he wants that championship to 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 kind of solidify his legacy, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Nate, right now, his legacy is, you know, one of the most innovative offensive players in the history of the game, right? Literally changed but, the game. Literally yeah, but, changed the game, but, uh, but underwhelming playoff performances, whether his fault or not, that's yeah. the legacy, right? So I, I think that, you know... With KD and for, and, for, and, and, but even how much he changed the game, he's still not the best scorer of this generation. You know no. what I mean? It's still Melo yeah. or it's still KD. You know what I mean? Right. So his legacy is kind of is what it is. He's one of the best players of this generation that even, can't even get it done in, in the playoffs. Huh? Yeah. Even Curry's in that conversation. As far as yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He yeah, is. And, sure. and, and Steve Kerr says, right, like he's, he's changed uh, the way people have to defend more than anyone in the history of basketball, you know, including Jordan, I think was Kerr, Kerr's quote, or it was since Jordan, one or the other. But yeah, Curry, I would put in that conversation as well. My thing is this. I think those guys would make it work. And the example I always use is the Olympics, right? Somehow all those guys, they make it work. Now, I know they're not facing necessarily the prime competition in a lot of cases, but they find a way to accentuate each other's strengths because there's something that happens when you're surrounded by like talent as well as friends. And I, and that component's there for these three guys. So I do think it would definitely work. I, I think for Harden, 
you know, uh, the the question would just be how much different for me from a viewer standpoint, how much different does it look? You know, because yeah. quite quite frankly, I, I don't find the Rockets easy to watch. Like, I no. I, I, I really don't. And, and It's unwatchable. Know, it's not yeah. even like you can't watch that shit at all. You know what I yeah. mean? But and, that's and not he, that wouldn't be the case with him on this team. On, on, it, it's, it, it's exhausting watching the Rockets. It's like it's yeah. like watching Saquon in the backfield. It's like, bro, he got you got to do so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some production, and, and, yeah. I'll, and I'll say this: I'm always partial to a guy who's now James Harden's loaded. You know, endorsements on top of endorsements. I'm pretty sure he's a good businessman. He has the Adidas deal, so he's got he has money coming in from all these different avenues. Um, including basketball, which makes him one of the top played athletes of this era. So turning down 50 million, I mean, it is shocking, but he, he is paid. But with that said, whatever, it's all relative, right? I do find myself being partial to somebody who turns down money to go somewhere else because it's not easy to do. Like money is the root of all evil, but it's also the root of all motivation. So, you know, we, we've all chased the dollar sign because it's there. It's like, okay, what? You're going to cut me a check? I'll do it. Now for him to say, Nah, 50 million, it's not about the 50 million. It's like, it's like Dave Chappelle. Like when Dave, it's like, you got integrity. It's like, you know, you turn down 50 million, like th there's something bigger in mind. So if for him to walk away from $100 million, that truly shows what he's motivated by. It ain't the money. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't the glitz and the glamour. It's not like he's like, no, I want to go to Miami or LA. He can, you know, I want to go to Clippers. Nah, he's like, Yo, I want to I want to go to a team where I know we can be a juggernaut and have a chance to win a championship, and and that would be Brooklyn, and I I think they would make it work because let me say this though I I do believe Kevin Durant knows how talented he is. He wants the ball in his hands. I don't see him as a selfish dude. He just he's he's super humble. Um, and every team he's been on, he's been an ultimate teammate. Kyrie, I from a distance. This is me being a fan. I don't know him personally. I do feel like at times he struggled with the role that he's been in. I, I think that his years in Cleveland proved that he wanted to be the man, which is why he left. And even in Boston, it was like he got there and the, and the current teammates were kind of like, yo, you're, you're good, but so are we. Like, we're, we're not going to be your background dancers, bro. You're not Michael Jackson and we're the Jackson 5. Like, this is, this is a, a team and we got dudes that can cook. And of course, Tatum was probably sitting back saying, one, I've been here, I'm homegrown, and two, I'm next up. So, you know, Kyrie is going to have to he's going to have to pull back and, and shelve maybe a little bit of his ego and say, I got to be more unselfish than ever if I want to feed Durant and oh, Harden. I think KD, I think KD's figured out that if he's on a, 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 a better team, he doesn't have to work as hard. Obviously, That's you know what I'm saying? I mean, we, he, we all know that he's the best, probably the, he's the best scorer of this generation and, okay. and probably, you know, arguably the best player of this generation, you know, LeBron yeah. and, and then him or him and LeBron, however you want to look at it. But I think he's figured out like he can, he can make it work. Like he, he knew what, what he had with Harden and Westbrook before, you know right. what I mean? So, and he goes to Golden State and like, yo, I don't have to work as hard, but when you guys need me, I'll be here to put up fucking 40 in the finals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, That's so I, like, you know, so I, like, but, and I think you're right. I think it, Harden turning down 103 million will get lost in the fact that he wants to win. Everybody be like, oh, he went to Brooklyn, it's easy, and they won a championship because they made it a big three. No, he turned out $103 because he could have easily stayed in Houston and we could have took the money and we, and we would be talking about, oh, he just wants to get paid. No, this right. guy wants to win a championship. He knows how important it is as an athlete, how we all grow up, we want to win a championship. 
He's just trying to put himself in the best situation. And I feel like that's, that always gets lost by the wayside when, when these guys are turning down these deals to go play in a better situation as far as getting, you know, being able to okay. win a, a chip. And there's something also about, you know, as much as we look at the titles and if you look at, you know, the Warrior titles and, and you say, well, you know, Kevin Durant went to a 73-win team, right? At the right. end of the day, it's like, yeah, but do we still look at Kevin Durant as a very worthy two-time champion? We do, right? We do. Right. We, because he still proved to be the best player on the floor in those series, right? And, 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 and they needed him to win. They don't win yeah. those titles without him. Not, you right. know, so They needed him. They knew that that's why they came to the Hamptons to come get his ass. They knew they needed him. <laughs> He's the LeBron right. kryptonite. Yeah. That's the only thing yeah, that could right. beat LeBron in the finals. Yeah, yeah man. KD. So, I mean, I... I so I think that for Harden, if he was to win here, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, we don't look at it as like James Harden who didn't excel in the playoffs. You look at it as James Harden champion, right? And he yeah. probably he probably knows that. He probably also just wants to experience that, sees the writing on the wall. I do think what the Rockets did the last couple playoffs was extremely disappointing because sure. they, they had things teed up for them. I mean – the Chris Paul hamstring injury a few years ago, that was unfortunate because they yeah. were in position, you know? But the couple of years since then, you know, I mean, when the Warriors all of a sudden, you know, when Durant went down, I mean, they had it, the Rockets had it teed up for them and couldn't right. get it done. I mean, that was that was honestly embarrassing, I think, for for what they had built to get to that position, to have Durant out after you had just lost because of Paul, or at least that was the narrative, and then you couldn't win with them not having Durant. But um, but yeah, I, I, it would be fascinating to see. The thing that I don't want is it to hang over the season. That's what I don't want. Like yeah. because to me, it's just so hard for those guys then that are there to invest on the same level they would if they felt comfortable and confident they were going to be there for the season. Right? right? Yeah. If you, if, it was I almost saw, like the Lakers with with uh, Anthony Davis and Lonzo yes, and uh, yes, all yes. those dudes. It was or just lingering. When Dwight Howard and I yeah. saw it, you know, with the Nets, like it, it's the same deal. Like then all of a sudden, if you're Karis LeVert, you're taking the floor. You're like, am I a part of this? Am I just in holding to go to Houston? You wow. know, I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want that. I would like some sort of resolution one way or another. For you know? sure. But. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I, when I look at like how teams have made certain moves, or shall I say, guys, like the big three, because you mentioned it, it's essentially that's what people gonna call it, right? Yeah. You know, Kyrie, KD, and, and Harden, um, and then we're all familiar with Miami. I feel like they were a little bit more in their prime because Chris Bosh was cooking in, to, in Toronto, um, and then you had James. I mean, uh, LeBron James, and then of course Dwayne Wade. But like, at what age do guys need to be? for it not to be considered like the big three cheat code. Because like, yeah. it, it, look at history of the game. It happens eventually, like superstars meet up. Like they it, team up, yeah. Clyde Jexler played for the Houston Rockets and got himself a ring. Like we didn't say, oh, look at Clyde linking up with a larger line. Nah, you just, you just call it what it is. You know, you look at, uh, I don't know, Kawhi Leonard going to Toronto. He, he added an addition to, Kyle Lowry, and they had, you know, a few scores over there. Like, there's always going to be players moving places. Like, I can see if guys were all 25 and they're in their prime and they go to one squad. They figured it out in the offseason. It was kind of like that in Miami. But, like, yeah. now <laughs> you have KD well into his 30s, James Harden well into his 30s, 
Kyrie, he's well into his thirties, I think, and he has he's, he's had a few late twenties. He's yeah. 20, late twenties, late 20, so like yeah. he's had some injuries. Like these guys aren't spring chickens. Like yeah. well, why don't why don't we just say all right? These guys are definitely the best in the game, but they're also beatable, and they're not doing this to beat. They might be doing this to beat LeBron and and Steph Curry, but they're also doing this because there's a young generation of hungry NBA stars that are in the league, and they are cooking. John Morant is here. Antes on top of Kunko, on top of the bop bop. He's here. He's here. He's here. They also know. They also know that the young generation is coming. And James, listen, as well as as good as he is, you know how that drop that drop off happens fast. You know, five years from now, it could be man. You remember when James was the best in the league? Now he just sits outside and shoot three pointers from the corner. You know what I mean? You know what squad? What one squad that don't that had a big three that don't that 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 gets the benefit of the doubt because they were older is that Boston? Oh, uh, that Boston right. squad, and and that that birthed the Miami, the young Miami squad. You That's know what I'm saying? Fact. Like LeBron with the Miami because he wasn't going to be able to get past uh, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and, and yep. Kevin Garnett. So they had to team up, and and it just turned into the young big three. But but that Boston squad was the was the beginning was of this era. Yeah, and, but they don't get that. They don't ever, you know, the, people don't ever freak out about oh, that or, all Hall of Famers, or what right? they did. And they all were Hall of Famers. But they were past their prime, but they made it work and ended up winning the championship. And that's what forced LeBron to Miami more than anything. Yeah. You are right, C. Nobody says, like, Nobody ever oh, talks about that big Kevin three. Garnett or Paul Pierce only won that title because, you're right, they don't. And they, li- they, they don't literally say that. called themselves the big three. The big we, three. Yeah, they, they started they it. They did. <laughs> they did. They did. Yeah. I, I always remember Rachel Nichols doing an interview with them. Uh, and saying, all right, on the count of three, you all answer this at the same time. Who takes the final shot? One, two, three. You know, so that they couldn't, like, politicize their answers. And they all agreed Ray Allen. And I was like, okay, all right, interesting. Like, Yeah. yeah. All right, first things first, see. How do you watch Thanksgiving football? What's your tradition with that? Uh, you know what? I usually crush a bunch of food, and then I'm I'm usually sleep by halftime of the second game, bro. <laughs> Wake up for the late game, but it, like the football is just like a like a soundtrack to my day. You know what yeah. I mean? Like football's yeah. on all day, and it's just like nibbling on food, grabbing food, and you know, just kind of taking naps. And and uh, but but I'm usually up for the night game. You know what's funny about that, man? That's why I actually, the, the first game, the 12-30 game, first of all, I love that it starts before one. That's yeah. the game I'm most into because, like, I'm just starting to eat some apps, you know? Exactly. I got the game that, I'm usually yeah. starving for that game, the yeah, first yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, Because exactly. you're not trying to go too crazy, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Trying and to then, pick your spots. Then, I mean, you know us. If, if my, my wife says something's going to start at four, then it usually starts at 6.30. So uh, <laughs> I'm usually fucking starving by the time we eat, bro, because... She's always two, two to two and a half hours late. That's great. Uh, I love it, man. Well, however you guys watch the games, you can bet all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you've never bet on FanDuel before, now is the perfect time to give it a shot because they're giving new users a 25 to 1 odds boost on any NFL game Thanksgiving Day. That means you can bet $5 and win $125. So, see, let me ask you. Which team would you bet Thanksgiving Day at 25 to 1 odds? I'm going Pittsburgh, man. Um, they're at home, 10 and 0. I know they're playing against Baltimore. It's going to be a tough division game, but Baltimore's got both their running backs out. 
um, you know, tested positive COVID, so I don't think they're going to be able to play on Thursday. That's going to make it really tough for Baltimore to, you know, score points. They, they run the ball. That's what they do. Um, so to have Dobbins and, and Ingram out is gonna really going to hurt. So uh, I'm going with Pittsburgh minus four in the over. All right. So C is saying that's the game you go to. He's coming off a win last week. That's the game you go to with the 25 to 1 odds. That's just one of the reasons FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook app. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. There are fast payouts, and they support the pod. So that makes us love them as well. So just (laughs) download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Sign up with the promo code R2C2 to get 25 to 1 odds on Thanksgiving Day. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code R2C2. Here comes C's favorite part, the disclaimer. 21 plus present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Deposit required. Max bonus $125. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Illinois. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Nate, I got to I got to ask you. We got to ask you a few different football things. It's so funny cuz I it, I love like just I mean, you're great on everything and like the sports media stuff I find fascinating and you have such beautiful perspective on. It, I think our audience gets a kick out of um but I also uh, you know, I I got to ask you first and foremost, Thanksgiving Day. You know what it's like to play in in Detroit yeah. on Thanksgiving. You did it multiple times. We all consume that game with a feeling of tradition and history and excitement. What feels different about playing on Thanksgiving for the Detroit Lions than, say, you know, playing a regular Sunday in the NFL? It's the closest thing that we get to the playoffs. I only made the playoffs <laughs> one year. Yeah, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm during my stint there, I only made the playoffs one year. So the Thanksgiving game was a guarantee that we'll have more eyes than we've had all season. Um, and it, it's unique in itself because, you know, you you wake up at home the day before and if your family or mom's in town, you know, they're cooking in the kitchen. So you smell the, the greens and and the, the turkeys being made and the ham and all the sides. And, and then you leave. And you get to the stadium and you're just like, all right, we got we got about four hours to kick some ass and then we get to get some food. <laughs> it's, it's usually I like that. When I play typically on a Sunday, it's like I go home. If I won, I'm gonna have me a drink, good dinner, and relax. I'm having fun. I'm I'm like, I'm like the great dad. And then yeah. when, I, when we lose, I'm just like sitting there depressed. Like, I don't I'm I, I wanna watch cartoons. I don't even want to watch the rest of the football game. <laughs> like, when you when you win on on Thanksgiving, it's a different type of feeling, man. Because like you just ate on the field, now you get to eat with your fam, and there's nothing better. And I remember one game. I think we played the Packers, and they usually come up and smack us around. Aaron Rodgers might have been banged up; they had the backup in, and we just kicked their butts, man, from the jump. And I remember like that pregame because I was the guy. They always Matt Stafford was like, "Yo, Nate, you got it." And Calvin was quiet as a church mouse. He don't like doing it. <laughs> um, so I was like, I was always like, "Cool, I'll talk." Now I just talk from the gut, like whatever I was feeling. And I remember that particular game. Like there was a lot going on in the city of Detroit. You know, there was the 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 the, the cloud of, of bankruptcy hovering over the city. 
um, and the places in, in Detroit that looked like, you know, a bomb went off and people that were literally struggling every day. And I remember talking to my teammates and I was like, look, we're all sitting there hands up. And I was like, look, it's Thanksgiving. Like we are blessed beyond measure. Like who would have thought a bunch of millionaires playing football? Um, if, if you think about the city we're in, there's people that are literally in this in this stadium right now that might not have a meal to go to when they get home. They probably got to go to a friend's house or a family member's house because they don't have their own home. Um, there's people that have lost their relatives, whether it was their mom, their dads, uh, or their friends due to violence. I was like, we have a chance right now for these three hours to put a smile on people's faces in Detroit and give them the best Thanksgiving ever. I was like, you guys know how it is in the city. They ride or die for the Lions. Um, and I was like, so remember that. I was like, forget about the logo on your helmet. Forget about the money in your pocket. Let's do it for the city. Let's do it for Detroit. And um, and I remember like just talking. I look up and like five of the guys like water in their eyes and they're crying. Wow. At me afterwards and was like, that's that Super Bowl shit, Nate. I love that. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went out there. Yes, man. And um, and that was a. Uh, and that, that's why Thanksgiving was special, because it's like, it's a gift you can give to your city, you know what I'm saying, with the whole world watching, you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, it's like being, being at a party and, and, uh, and giving your, your wife a great gift in front of everybody. And they're like, oh, ain't that sweet? Like, we get to give this, like, this gift to Detroit that needed it. Like, we weren't, this isn't Seattle or LA, like, you know what I mean? This isn't Boston that's used to winning. Like, it's yeah. Detroit, man. And wins are hard to come by. So that's why Thanksgiving games are so special. Oh, I love that story, man. Yeah, that's that's beautifully told. I'm a, I, it makes me even more excited to watch on Thursday. How right. about, <laughs> Nate, how about, I, I got to ask you a little Giants-Jets. You know, C&I yeah. obviously have that New York base. Yeah. Um, with, with the Jets, I mean, obviously they are... I mean, I can't even I can't they even tanking, get out bro. an adjective they're before tanking. laughing. But... <laughs> but if you are them, do you? Is it the most obvious decision in the world that you draft Trevor Lawrence if you have the first pick? I believe so, and and this isn't no disrespect to Sam Darnold. He just hasn't slammed the door and convinced everybody that he's a franchise guy. Has he had moments? Yeah. Would he work in a different system if provided an opportunity? Yeah. You know, maybe it's the Chicago Bears. You know, it could be the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I, I don't I don't see them sticking with Jimmy G for too much longer. Um, and then on top of that, like once you change jerseys, you kind of renewed a little bit. There's a different motivation because one, you're in a new system. Um, so you might have a system more tailored to your skill set. He's athletic. He likes to throw on the run. Um, maybe he's in an offense that allows him to do that a lot more. Uh, but then on top of that, regardless if you're traded and people still value you, you still feel like discarded trash. That's how athletes feel. You can, we can have the most money in the world. The moment somebody starts telling you that you're at the end of your career or you're traded or about to be cut, you're like, damn, so I'm trash? Because we rarely hear that. We spent our whole lives telling, have people telling us how, how good great we are. are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I, I feel like that motivates um, quarterbacks, you know, more specifically. So he could have a little bit of a rebirth, kind of like Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar for the Eagles... Seemed like he couldn't catch the yeah. ball. Right? Yeah, he's on someone's he, fantasy team. No, he's not on my fantasy. He's on my real fucking team. What are you talking about? But then he had a big <laughs> drop the other day. That that third down catch, that day, bro. That drop was crucial. Oh, my That's God. Right. 
listen, if he catches listen. that ball, we win the game. That, that if drop he catches was that ball, we win the game. If he catches that, you guys do win. That's we fact. win. We That's win that game. But, but see, this is how good football almost saves you from that harsh criticism because he's playing so well. The 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 narrative was. That was a tough catch. That was a tough catch, yeah. Which yeah, right. it was. <laughs> but if he had dropped that in Philly, he'd be like, oh, he's a bum. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. No, but like, That's true. I, I just feel like it, it is time to move on and, and go get that pick. What, whether you, you're holding the pick as gold. What, what if it's just you're holding his gold and saying, you know what? We're, we're thinking about keeping uh, Sam Darnold. But I know people will give up a king's ransom for this pick. And, and we can go ahead and use it on draft day or even draft them and trade them. So um, I feel like either way, the Jets are in a good position. And most likely, they'll have a new head coach years, the next year as well. See, and this is what I like. This We were talking about uh, who, like what the Jets and Giants should do. I feel like Darnold can, can play. I feel like he needs to be maybe on the West Coast, a little, something a little more laid back. Where right. He's got some better weather. I mean, he, you know. Watching the the kid down Not in San much Diego of a right now, on him, exactly. Because watching the kid from Oregon to go to San Diego, like that's a perfect spot for him. So I think Darnold needs somewhere where it's not such a big market, and he could just go out and, and ball out. But I do think that he's in a like I do think the Jets would be you know they could keep him and be and be fine. Where right. I think the Giants definitely need to draft a quarterback. That's just see, my see, personal opinion. And and I like and Daniel he, Jones. And he likes mate. Daniel Jones, but I think that. I think the two quarterbacks that are in college can come out and do a better job for the Giants, where I think Sam Darnold just needs a better pieces around him and he can make it work. Yeah, we've seen enough good moments from both of them to, to, to show us that they could play in this league. Uh, I, I feel like Daniel Jones gets a little bit of a pass, and maybe Sam Darnold should too, but more Daniel Jones because like he has no Saquon. His wide receivers have been up and down. I feel like the most consistent guy has been Darius Slayton, and he wasn't even slotted to be their number one tar- his number one target this year. Uh, but I, I, I look at the two New York teams, and it's, it's unfortunate because you sit back and you think, okay, the Giants, Jets, story franchises, like they should be much better than they are. And even though people don't look at the Bills as a New York team, they're the best team in New York. Let's just call it what it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no question about they're it. Because cool, their quarterback is legit. That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. Hey, hey, Nate, how about if you look at, and this will be a Raider question for C as well, nice. but you look at that AFC, right? We got nine teams for six spots, basically, right? You got you got Kansas City at nine and one, Pittsburgh ten and zero, Tennessee seven and three, Indi- Indianapolis seven and three, Miami six and four, Buffalo seven and three, Cleveland seven and three, and then the Raiders in Baltimore six and four. And obviously, we have four division winners in there and everything else. But are the Raiders one of no? I mean, those are there's a lot of good football teams in that. Really I can answer yeah. this question. Are the Raiders one of those six <laughs> that makes it? Are they one of those six that makes it? Are they one of those three that don't? They're going to make it for sure. Wow. And listen, wow. There's no. There's, there's no moral victories in football. So after losing to Kansas City, I'm not going to sit here and pat the Raiders on the back. Um, and I, and I feel like that it's, it's patronizing a little bit for if I'm a, if I'm a Raiders player and I'm like, hey, man, listen, it was the Chiefs, man. You guys almost had it. You feel good yeah. about yourself. You split it one and one and one. No, the new Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, you know what they want to hear? Y'all blew Win. that because y'all yeah. should have won it. Yeah. Like yeah. y'all blew that game and y'all should have won it. And that right there is a sign that you're legit. 
versus what we used to say, man, the Raiders are in it. They almost had it. Nah, it's a whole different uh, ball game. The defense is flying around. They're opportunistic. They'll make you pay. Offense, they got wide receivers like we talked about earlier. They have different types of wide receivers. Speed guy with rugs. Darren Waller, who's a hybrid. And guys in between that can also make plays. Josh Jacobs is a man's man. Like He might be young, but he is a grown-ass man. Uh, and I feel like the Raiders, because they, they punched Pat Mahomes in the mouth that first game when they beat him, and then this last game was no cakewalk for Mahomes. Like, what's to say the Raiders face any team like the KC or any other team in the AFC again that they won't beat them? Like, you can't tell me that the Raiders aren't confident. Even Derek Carr seems like a different dude. Like, like Derek Carr dealt with the criticism. He dealt with the, the attacks. He dealt with the he's overpaid. Um, he, he, it seemed like he's always had to defend himself. And listen, Derek Carr didn't make it easy on himself either. Sometimes he just play up to expectations. But this year, though, and the prime example of that was the game because there being no crowd there and the audio being so crisp and clear, you can see how much control he has of the field. You know what I mean? It's like it's like a lead singer of a band. Like once he grabbed the microphone, he was like, hey, yo, Henry, Henry, I need you. He's like, hey, hey, yo, 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 Darren, come over here. Matter of fact, no, 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 wait, wait, come over here. Check, check, check. Like. As a as a wide receiver, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm like, okay, Derek. <laughs> like, you know how like you you like like you when you see a, a girl in high school, you're like, yeah, she was cute. And then you catch her at 30, you're like, dang, she done grown up. Like, <laughs> Derek, like Derek done grown up. Like you looking good out there. And I, I feel like for that reason, that's enough to look at the Raiders and say they got a shot. And, and to keep it real, the perception of Derek or maybe his control on the offense, maybe it had to do with Gruden adding to him, adding confidence. I couldn't say that five years ago. I couldn't say like, man, Derek Carr just seems like he got it and he got control over it. You know, and CC, you know this, sometimes it takes uh, the, the bumps in the road. Sometimes it takes those injuries. Sometimes it takes people completely writing you off. Sometimes it takes for you reading the headlines. He said when they moved to Vegas, he picked up the paper and the headline was Tom Brady going to Tampa. And he was like, and that pissed me off. And I heard him say that at the beginning of the season. I was like, Okay, Derek. Right. <laughs> I just feel like there's a different energy around. And you know what? And I'll call it what it is. Dark hole. Maybe there's a dark energy around the Raiders where, you know, they're playing pissed off again, man. And they Raiders are supposed to pump fear in teams. They're supposed to be the, the wild card. They're supposed to be the ones that like, as soon as, like, I remember playing there when I was in Minnesota, Detroit. See, every time I played there, like, you just had to keep your head on the swivel. It's like, <laughs> hey, and I, it's I'm, not even out here. I'm not even talking about the players. I'm talking about the fans. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> nah, you're, you're, I mean, I, I think we got a good chance. I think, you know, like you said, I mean, they, they've been playing good. The, the one thing that I've noticed about them is the penalties are down. You know what yeah. I mean? The offsides, the jumping, you know, like the, the little stupid shit that we would do to, to beat ourselves, you know, is down. Yeah. Um, I think it's just going to be tough, man. But, but uh, you know, sitting at six and four right now and, like you said, watching the way cars, commanding the offense, uh, Josh Jacobs is a beast. The defense is, is a lot better. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a good time to be a Raider fan right now. Wait, definitely. see, are, are, you, are you saying that you now think John Gruden is, in fact, the $100 million man? Is absolutely that what I'm hearing not. right there? Absolutely you love not. that discipline from I, your team? I didn't. I didn't I, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm saying Mike Mayock is drafting the right players oh, is what okay. I'm saying. Gotcha. 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 You're doing a great job. You're no great coach job. deserves $100 million. I don't oh, give a fuck God. who you are. He got that, though. He got that, bro. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. 
Nate, let, let's uh, let's ask you this before we let you run, man. And thank you for all the time, dude. Yeah, of course. The the the, the Steelers, obviously, you know, they're ten and zero. Are they as good as their record is, and are they are they the favorites, or is it still the Chiefs? They are as good as their record reflects, but I don't believe they're by far the best team in the NFL. Uh, but give them credit. They're undefeated. You have to respect them as an undefeated squad. Um, I, I love what they have on the defense side of the ball. T.J. Watt is a beast, man. He's the best Watt in the game right now. No disrespect to J.J. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, after he think, think, talking about guys leaving teams, after he left Miami, this dude done turned into a, a Hall of Famer. He's like, every time he's around the ball, he's making a big play. Um, he's like Darren Woodson um, back there in the secondary. Offensively, they got a, a run game that suffices. They don't have a superstar stud. I love John, James Conner. He's, he's going to get you those hard, tough runs. They have a few guys backing him up. Big Ben, I feel like he's having more fun than ever. He doesn't – he's not dropping back, and he has that pressure of having to, like, look at Antonio, look at Antonio. Okay, he's not open. Let me go somewhere else. Or maybe force it to Antonio. Now it's just four wide receivers that are super unselfish. Juju's number one, and he doesn't even care. He's, he – he beats the other guy to the end zone when they're scoring. He's like, what are you doing, bro? You, you remember the choreography from last night in the hotel? Like, I love that. It just shows you, like, the unselfish nature. Um, and so they, they do have everything, including, and this is another X factor, a great coach. Like, Mike Tomlin doesn't get enough credit. He's never had a losing season. They're undefeated right now. He, he actually was able to keep his team afloat when the Le'Veon and Antonio Brown situation yeah. – almost derailed the flow of what they were building. That's two of, at that time, they were two of the best players at their position. And Mike Tomlin came out there with the Barack Tomlin and was like, we're going to, we're going to do what we got to do. Uh, don't get it confused. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and then like, and, and what I love about it, like last week, he said something to the media, which I thought was powerful. He said, the only thing perfect about us is our record. And he wasn't talking to the media. He was talking to the players. And we have a coach like that, that always keeps you on your toes. Players will always be motivated. Um, and I'm praising them a ton because they deserve it. But I just feel like you can't look past the teams that have knockout power. Like, you know, you, you have, you know, Seattle and Los Angeles, the Rams, like we saw last night. Um, you know, even though the Bucks took an L, I just feel like they're always going to be in the conversation. The but even, Saints, ten, even Tennessee, so, they got knockout Tennessee power, too. Got yeah. knockout power. A.J. Brown and, and Derrick Henry might be the best wow. running Bro, back combo in business. Ridiculous. The, the Saints. Taysom Hill looked – I was tripping. I was watching this game like, who is this buff-ass quarterback throwing <laughs> these balls like this, bro? Like, he, the, I've never seen – like, Taysom Hill was what people wanted Tim Tebow to be. And he looked great at the quarterback. And we know that Champagne is going to have those guys focused the rest of the season and in the playoffs. So, with all that said, there's so many teams that I still worry about that have knockout power. Um, so, I can't just say far and away that the Steelers are the best squad. It's crazy, though, that the Pittsburghs, their culture, man, like no other team would have been able to handle the best running back and the best receiver doing the shit that they was doing in that locker room and the coach survived. Yeah. You know and, then your and then your Kudo quarterback going out for a year. And then your quarterback going out for a year. So kudos to that for them, for, to that organization for sticking with Tomlin because they yep. could have easily blamed everything on him and fired him. At, you know what I'm saying? Happens all the time. And then, we're, then they're searching for a coach. And kudos to Juju for being the best at his position on the team and still being so unselfish. I've never seen a receiver that good that's un that unselfish. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Like, uh, he don't give a fuck if he get the ball or not. He just want to win the game, and he's so happy for the other guys that are balling. Like, 
I, you never ever see that out of receivers, and and it's just, I think it's just the culture. We talk about you know Belichick and the Patriots and the way they are so much, and I think we don't talk about Pittsburgh and their culture and the and and how good it is um, yeah. enough for that's sure. Talk. That's a that's a that's a great point, man. Nate, just tremendous having you back on R two C two, man. Thank you for Anytime, doing this, man. Anytime you guys want to have me on, I'm here, bro. I ain't going nowhere. We all. Going <laughs> to we could have done another hour. Another yeah, hour it is, bro. It's a lot of talk. Hey, listen. How about this? Let's let's get back on in a few weeks because we, you know we got to talk about Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. Oh, we gotta talk. I'm nervous for Roy Jones, bro. I'm scared to death for this guy. All I see is wow. videos and pictures of Tyson looking like an animal. And hey, I ain't seen true. I ain't seen Roy Jones throw one punch yet. <laughs> like I ain't seen him no training videos, <laughs> running on the treadmill or nothing. You ain't see him chase no chickens and nothing. Like I ain't seen nothing. I'm scared to death of this guy, man. We got to we got to see what happens, man. Man, uh, we'll do that, Nate. We'll get you after the fight. We'll get you back on. We'll also have a you know be a little deeper into the NFL season as well. That'll that be works. good, man. And, and who knows? Then I mean, we got a lot of impressions today from you. We didn't dive into your your hip hop skills though, so we can get some of that That's in the next fact. pod too, That's man. Fact. I love I I love YouTube in that. Like, yeah. it's, 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 I'm gonna come on. I'm gonna write a little something. He's got I'm some dope okay, freestyles good. too. Okay, yeah, good. he got some dope freestyles. Good, that sounds good. Nate, thank you, man. We appreciate course, it. Course. Y'all have a appreciate good one, man. It. You too, man. See, this is how we know, like, Nate's such a great guest. I feel like we're always so deep in before we start firing out our football questions. Right, know? we didn't get to football till the end. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a- we could have not talked football and been fine. I love that story he told about the speech he gave on the Thanksgiving game in Detroit. Yeah, right. And and I mean, that's that's a tough thing. And and for me, like as an athlete that got that played on holidays, not not Christmas and, and Thanksgiving, obviously not big. But like I would always be upset about playing on the holidays. Like I got to be y'all entertainment, like on on the Fourth of July. July. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I, you know it seems like these guys want to be our entertainment. You know, and they they get you know they get fired up for that. So that makes it even more you know enjoyable for me to watch as an athlete, knowing that these guys are enjoying being out there playing on Thanksgiving. Well, we want all of you to have a happy, healthy Thanksgiving. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday, except for this week, we gave it to you early to try and accommodate your Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, and we have bonus episodes as well. Follow us on Spotify. Make sure you're following us on social as well. It's at R2C2 on Twitter and Instagram. You can download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And maybe, see, I'm thinking around the holidays, maybe we do some giveaway uh, where we incentivize people to spread the word um, by dangling some CC um, memorabilia in front of them. What do you think? Let's do it. Christmas is coming up. Let's do it. Yeah, we might as well. So we'll tell we'll have details on a giveaway coming up uh, in um, in maybe next week, maybe in Yo, next week's episode. Before we get off, I just want to give my shout out a shout out to my son, Lil C. Man, it was a good summer traveling around with him. He ended up uh, having you know ended up on a good note at some good tournaments the last you know couple of weeks. So um, you know, I just want to give him a shout out. He's a good kid. He's got he's doing good in school and he's doing good on the diamond too. So. Hopefully we get him, you know, committed to a college. He can make up his mind and, and uh, you know, we start looking for the next steps. Forget committing to college. Commit to R2C2. When are we getting him on? <laughs> nah, he ain't we ready gotta, for that, man. He, he ain't ready for that? 
He talked too much. Amber will come on before him. Yeah, yes. All right. Because that'll think, just be, that'll be a bashing session. If, if I, I, came on. Oh, man. I, 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 I might have to. I might have to arrange it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited, though. And, and I'm so proud of Lil C. And it's amazing, man, what he's doing. And I, I love seeing the pictures of him and Andrew Jones's kid. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's so cool, man. It's it's so cool. And we have we have someone to track and follow. Fans of the pod have a new up-and-coming favorite player. Whatever his career is and will be, we'll be following in college and for enjoying. Sure, for you sure. Know? Thank you. And and um and I look forward to Amber being on R2C2 sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. So, and congratulations to you too, cuz. Thank you, man. Thank you yeah, very much. College, man. college basketball. That's a big thank, deal, bro. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. That's thank gonna be you, more travel for you and you know. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be fun. It, you know what? It's funny, man. Uh when it was first broached with me, I didn't I didn't know if I'd be able to fit it in, you know, like and then I was able to look up my schedule and what I do now compared to what that would entail. And this is doing a women's college lead for ESPN and the final four yeah. championship. And 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 it actually fits okay with my current stuff, which is great. And then what's interesting is like seeing everybody reaching out and stuff. And then I'm like, damn, like calling the final four. That's all I'm about to say, bro. You're about to call the final four. And it just sets you up for like the WNBA even better because then you get to see all these players from the time they're 18 and you, you know, you get to watch their whole career basically. So exactly, man. Thank you, dude. I appreciate you bringing that up and I am super pumped about it. And that's exactly right. I got to see the full journey now of these women who I used to just get the pro part. Now I get the amateur as well. So, uh, It'll be it'll be pretty sick, man. Have a great Thanksgiving, partner. You too, bro. And everybody out there, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. New episode next Thursday, a week from Thanksgiving. Peace, y'all.